All right, it is September 1st, 2023. 20, 20, I was going to say Tweety Bird. So it's 9-1-23. It is Common Sense Ohio. Time for your weekly dose of Common Sense Ohio. You can check us out at commonsenseohioshow.com. We are spreading like wildfire throughout the state, throughout the country. Ran into some folks out in the eastern part of the state that knew the show, liked the show, just didn't know that I was involved in the show. So uh, what's new this week? Well, we've got a sponsor. We finally found our sponsor. It is Harper Plus Accountants. Glenn Harper has been my accountant for the better part of 28 years. He's a great business accountant, provides you accounting services, consulting services. Check it out, Harper Plus Accounting. Uh, the other thing we're doing new this week is this day in history. Everybody knows I love the dates. I always say like 9-1-23. Now, that one doesn't ring as well for me, but what it does ring with me is my old history brain. I had to dust the cobwebs off, and it dawned on me, I confess through a bit of a Google search, that this is the day, one of the most important days in history, at least in modern history, uh, and why, you would guess, because Hitler invaded Poland today. And Norm, I... I, I of course, Norm has always got me one-upped a little bit on history. Oh, come uh, on. Not always, but a lot of times he does. So the two people that seem to beat me now in history, Norm and my 16-year-old son. Oh, yeah, Matthew. He's sharp. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this day in history, in 1939, Hitler invades Poland, thereby changing the modern world probably forever. Uh, and, you know, Norm, you had some comments about it. Yeah, uh, what a lot of people probably don't know when you get into the granular details of of uh, how that attack was justified to the German people by Hitler, um, because the the Wehrmacht leadership, the German army, and the people they did not want a war. <laughs> this was this was sprung on the German people by Hitler, and he had to figure out a way to to uh, CYA. So him and um, Goebbels, uh, Joseph Goebbels, the minister of propaganda, it came up with a, 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 a false story. So what they did is they took Polish prisoners out of, from German jails. They dressed them up in um, a Polish military uniforms, and they killed them inside of a German radio station on German land. And they therefore claimed that this radio station was in an unprovoked attack uh, by the Polish army, that the Polish government, in fact, invaded Germany. And so Germany uh, commenced, you know, hostilities to defend itself, right? So that, I mean, it's just a classic false flag operation. And, uh, of course, uh, Germany overnight had parked a battleship in the harbor of Gdansk, um, Poland, and basically at point blank range decimated the Polish Navy right there at their, at their, at their home, uh, base. And, uh, of course, Poland was split between, because this was all premeditated, it was split between the Soviet Union and, um, and Germany, Nazi Germany. They had a non-aggression pact. You could say in a way they were allies. And of course, later on, Hitler invaded Russia, as we all know, and stabbed them in the back like he stabbed Europe in the back. So, um, you know, and the rest is history. There we go. Mm. And uh, introduced the world to a whole new form of warfare that, that maybe we were, that Patton and crew were stumbling upon towards the end of World War One, but uh, the Blitzkrieg that involved mobile warfare, not digging into trenches and waiting to get 
yeah. decimated when you go over the top. Combined with uh, air power. Combined with air power, uh, lightning warfare, as they would say. And, you know, the French learned the hard way that their Maginot line was no match for that a little bit later. And uh, German just took his lightning warfare and his fast tanks and went right around it. Yeah. <laughs> so Right. What do you do when you, there's a big wall in the southern border? I mean, what do, you, what do you do when there's a big wall that's not complete? You just go around it. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Common Sense Ohio, bringing you the news, bringing you Ohio-centric uh, discussions. But, you know, we, it's a launching point to talk about uh, everything else going on in the world. Is a funny uh, saying I like to say is that oh, as Ohio goes, so does everybody else. If you think I'm wrong, well, call us up and leave us a comment at commonsenseohioshow.com if you want to be a guest same place, commonsenseohioshow.com. With that, Norm, uh, Norm's got his entire folder notebook here today, his uh, trapper keeper, and uh, he's ready to rock and roll. So taking notes as we speak. You can't see it, but trust me, that'll <laughs> change too soon. Anyway, well, Norm, what you got, man? Well, uh, we should probably talk about some Ohio news right off the top. Um, one of the um, real heroes uh, of the, I guess you would say, the average conservative man, the the guy in the streets, the entrepreneur class, the, you know, the merchant class part of the conservative movement was a gentleman named Joe Wurzelbacher, and otherwise known as Joe the Plumber, and he passed away this past week um, at the age of 49 years old of Toledo, Ohio. Now, Joe, just to refresh people, if, if, if you don't recall, he was the fellow you know, everybody was dazzled by Barack Obama, right? Joe the plumber. Yeah. <laughs> and right. we were, you know, and, and I have to say, you know, uh, suburban middle-class white folks were sort of dazzled by this guy because he was talking about, you know, let's resolve racial discord and let's, you know, he seemed very reasonable when he was campaigning. And in the middle of his campaign, uh, he went to Toledo and Wurzelbacher wasn't really falling for this uh, facade that we, we later obviously found out Obama was a completely different person than he advertised himself to be. It, it was far more radical. In fact, some people say he's running the Biden White House today. But at any rate, Wurzelbacher, Joe the plumber, owned his own plumbing business. You know, probably him and one other guy, right? Small couple vans. And he, and he basically was, wait a minute, you're going to, you're going to do this for the poor people. You're going to do this for the rich people. The people in the middle are the ones that always get stuck paying the bill. And so when you talk about tax reform, you know, let's get specific, let's get into the real nitty gritty here. And Obama was not used to that. He was not used to being challenged on the campaign trail. Um, it, he, it rocked him back on his heels and Joe uh, never did get a straight answer to his questions, and uh, but yet he became emblematic of that that person who we all in the middle we all feel that we're discounted. You know, RFK Jr. right now campaigning for the Democrat nomination is saying very similar things that the middle class has been forgotten, that we're it's shrinking, it's getting poorer. And there's all these benefits for everybody else, but the people in the middle um, are struggling. Well, there, there's a bigger there's a bigger parallel here, and I'm making not making it up. I'm thinking this through as I go here. But <clears throat> you know, uh, the Marxist idea was that only only through this sort of revolution or this uh, rising of the 
we, we have to overthrow everything. We have to destroy everything. We have to start over and there's going to be this uprising and it's all going to happen. Well, it didn't happen. And Marx sort of thought it was going to happen first in the United States and in Great Britain, the, sort of the capitalist countries. And what really happened is people like Joe the Plumber uh, uh, advanced. You know, they, they increased their wealth. They, they, they moved themselves out of poverty through the capitalistic system. You know, Joe the Plumber didn't start with two trucks. He started with a car and then he bought a truck. And then he, he started working for somebody else, learned the trade, then bought his own, then advanced and advanced and advanced and advanced. And, you know, at the same time, you had these sort of Marxist uh, thinkers, I hate to even use that word uh, too strongly, but uh, we'll call them academics in the universities, et cetera, who sort of thought that this was going to be the case. And what they instead saw, and I think what they are, what maybe fast forward a hundred years, what, what they're seeing is people like Joe the Plumber doing well, actually making money and uh, advancing themselves. And, and, you know, there's a lot of millionaires who pour concrete for a living, who clean out septic tanks for a living, who uh, do have a plumbing business, who are electricians. Um, and, or, you know, they run a, uh, they run a s- small store or whatever it is. And, you know, I think there's this notion that the smart people in quotes think that they should be the ones that are making all the money, but they're, they're earning 60 grand a year or 70 grand a year at a university, uh, teaching. And, you know, they don't like Joe, the plumbers, they don't, they don't like that. And, you know, it's the nasty, uh, sin of en- envy, I think really at the heart of it. Yeah. They, think, they think they're smarter. They they should be the ones that are that are telling Joe the plumber what to do because they're smarter. After all, they're educated and they're they're academics and intellectuals. And you know, there, I think there was some of that. I, I sensed that with Obama, right? He just thought that he was he was smart or whatever. And, and it's certainly with Hillary too. You know, she, in fact, she called Joe the plumber the deplorables. Yeah, uh, and we're we're clinging to our Bibles and our guns. Yeah, you know, her put downs of the middle class. And I think there's really a lot to what you're saying. I think every successful middle class merchant or entrepreneur or lawyer or doctor or whatever, you know, the people that are, you know, plumbers, roofers, the people that are working every day with their hands or, or you know, on their feet in a courtroom or, or you know, a boardroom or whatever, those kinds of middle class success stories undercut the socialist theory and, and they are exhibits A, B, and C of why socialism is a failed right. they, theory. Those people have succeeded despite socialistic policies, not because of it, yeah, right? It, right. Like the yeah. socialistic policies actually are blankets over their business. And so it's, it's a hard threat. to breathe. It's a threat. It, it's a threat to them. And, and you know what? I also think, looking back, you know, we didn't know what was to come in, when Obama was running in, in, what was that, 08? Is that right? When, when Joe the Plumber and Obama had their... Plus, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the second time around. It was the first time around. But uh, I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what we didn't know is that Joe the plumber would become the Trump supporter like that, you know, because it's almost like that moment in time. Yeah. Everybody's eyes were open to the fact that, wait a minute, you're not here for me. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. That was the rise of the Tea Party. At We've that been time. completely yeah. abandoned. By right. You folks have completely abandoned us. And then eight years later, Hillary is calling him deplorable. And then. Trump gets elected on the looking at that, like really Trump's instincts on this were really dead on. You know, he sees that these people have nobody anymore because it used to be like the old school um, Democrats sort of like uh, um, uh, Kennedy right now is pitching, you know, that's right. Like he is that guy. So, you know, for years, that's, that's, those were Kennedy Democrats. That's right. Yeah. Taking care of the working class, middle-class folks. And, you know, I think that that laid the groundwork and that is the I think you're right. That exposes the soft underbelly 
soft underbelly of socialism and Marxist policies. Yeah. It, it just, those people get left behind. They have to, because they have to, they're the ones that pay. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know what Joe uh, succumbed to, uh, you know, just the item in the paper. Oh, I think I found it was uh, pancre- uh, pancreatic cancer. Oh, uh, that's a, yeah. That's a t- yeah. I mean, you get pancreatic, like, that's like, yeah. you hear that and it's, it's months. And yeah. Cause it was 49. 49. Yeah, right? that's too bad. Well, so, you know. Left behind, I think, two or three kids in a while. Yeah. Just, just <sighs> bad, Sad. Bad story. Bob. Yeah. Another yeah, way to bring us up, Norm. Oh, <laughs> well, since we're when since we're down right now, I I cannot this again. This reminds me of that murder suicide thing that that happened down in uh, southwestern Ohio. Another one this past week. This one in Uniontown, which is Stark County, Ohio. A family of five, forty six year old father and husband <clears throat> killed his wife and his three kids you know, in a murder suicide thing. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're going to try to determine why, but I mean, obviously he was mentally sick. Yeah. I mean, yeah. those are, uh, I, I mean, I, I just can't get over that kind of thing. It, it just is, it, you, it's impossible, right? I, I can think of nothing like 15, look, 12 and nine year old children. Mm-hmm. Anybody like there, there may be you lucky few have never faced depression on any level. You know, and there's different kinds of depression. There's sort of the chronic that people are just, maybe that's how they're wired. And then you've got the situ- situational type of stuff, something you're going through a divorce and something bad happens to you or whatever it is. But it's like, and I've been there, you know, yeah. on, on both both sides of that. Yeah. I, I've never once thought ever about, like, like, how do you get to the point where you're going to end your own life and everybody around And you? take everyone out. I just it, can't. It, I know. I, I can't. Because they're the people you love most on the face of the earth. Right. Your own children. Right. Your, your wife. I mean, how could you possibly? I would love to hear a competent psychologist sort of explain how, like, what's the path? Because, look, what we do here is we discuss this kind of stuff. So how does somebody, like, what is the, what's the psychology that gets them there? What, what about, yeah. what part of depression do, are they suffering? Like, what's their thought process? Like, the world's so bad that I can't let my kids live in it? Or yeah. are they saying... You know, none of this makes any sense. But are they saying like, all right, if I'm gone, it's going to ha- cause them so much harm, I might as well just take them too, like trying to do them yeah. a favor. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, there's been a string of these. I mean, I the the one case I also can't get out of my head. It's just a nightmare. Is that lady who released the parking brake on her car with her kids in it, and you know, uh, she blamed it on. Uh, I think she racially uh, blamed it on some mythical non-existent black guy. Right. That it turned out there was that didn't exist. I can't think of her name, but she's in federal prison or mm-hmm. Georgia prison or whatever. It's just crazy. Elizabeth just crazy. something or yeah, whatever. I remember the case. Yeah. Um, and, you know, know, three or four kids in the car and she just let them drown in a lake. It yeah. Just, Jesus. It, it just yeah. Utter, it, it's just complete. There's nothing that makes any sense about it. Another crime happened recently along those lines is anybody in Columbus has watched this. There was a, you know, sort of this high noon fight at Easton. Uh, shopping mm-hmm. center and uh, we had a 13 year old uh, shoot and kill his adversary you know and it, you know th- this is I was over at the prosecutor's office on another matter recently and I was talking to the gentleman who's involved in prosecuting the case and half their offices you know it's the talk of the town and you know you, st- you try to get your head around how this happens like how like what is it and you know I get apparently the kid just had a gun and thought he was going to, he might've been shot. So he's going to shoot first. I mean, just utter insanity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's 13, 13 years old. So I've gotten a lot of questions. I'll just answer it now. People are like, shouldn't he be an adult prisoner? Shouldn't he be charging? You can't do that when they're 13. So, or, uh, he's too young at 14. You can, but at 13, he's in juvie court and he'll be in juvie court 
uh, probably in uh, the Department of Youth Services, which is sort of the juvenile version of prison versus jail. That's prison. They even protect his identity, don't they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they, they don't release in court, but yeah. Y- yeah, right. Okay, they, they won't release his name typically. Mm-hmm. Uh, the news, the news will publish it. Yeah, 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 they will. But uh, he'll be in the Department of Youth Services until he's 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something else in Ohio called a serious youth offender, where if you screw up uh, while you're in DYS, in theory, you can maybe get transferred later over to adult court or adult prison, but. You know, it's it's just it's utterly tragic, and it, it's got to make you think what is going on culturally here that we're killing each, that the kids yeah. are shooting each other. You right. know, it just is like it's utter insanity. And you know, you could blame the guns, and people will. Oh, sure, right. Um, and your guns are ubiquitous in society. If we just didn't have any guns, if we just didn't have uh, these kids didn't have access to guns or whatever it would be, uh, this wouldn't happen. Well, you know what? The fact is, our kid, the guns are ubiquitous in our society and you can't legislate them away. And, uh, you know, something more is going on other than access to firearms. Sure. Right. When you have access to knives, you have access to a lot of things that can kill another person. That just is maybe the easiest, quickest, you know, that sort of thing. But certainly the most deadly, right? So for sure. Yes. If you're going to pull a gun on somebody, that's going to be the surest way to kill them. Yeah. As opposed to like attacking with a knife, which certainly will kill and has proven to do so over and over and over throughout the years. But, um, it's not like 50 years ago, kids didn't have access to guns. They did. I mean, there were, there were, you know, they're probably easier access, frankly. Well, when I, we, we were in high school, it was, you just fought, you fought. Right. It was fisticuffs. Fisticuffs. Get your ass kicked. And that was, not. and, and live to tell the tale. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Guns were never really a, a part of this. It wasn't. I don't remember so that at all. And, yeah, you know, and guns existed oh, for sure. Guns existed. So, sure. I don't and easier know. access to them too, probably. I, I probably so. Well, yeah. back back then, sixteen year olds were allowed to buy firearms in Ohio. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I did. I went down to Kmart, bought my first rifle the day I turned sixteen. Well, and that's a good point. You've got all those supermarkets. Um, I should call them supermarkets, but the Kmart's the uh, Walmart's had guns. Had guns, yeah. Sure. They all did. Yeah, yeah, probably services merchandise. Sears, 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 Sears. Catalog, probably, gun Sears probably so. Right, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean we went out and bought them. I mean, you did, of course, but yeah. the access a, was there. Wanted yeah. a little twenty-two squirrel gun and to target shoot. Mm-hmm. And I was a Boy Scout. I had my little you know, marksmanship merit badge. And there was nothing more American, red, white, and blue than having a little squirrel gun. You <laughs> I know? remember, I didn't hunt back then, but I remember guys in my grade school talking about getting their first 20 gauge because they were slug hunting deer at that time. And, yeah. you know, they would shoot their doe or whatever, but it was theirs, right? It was their gun. And mm-hmm. when they got a little bit older, they got a 12 gauge because you still had to use those kind of 12 gauge slug guns in Ohio. But, you know, it's... um. But you're also talking about respect for that gun. Yeah, they were taught. And look, it wasn't and, and, and it wasn't just wealthy people and it wasn't just poor no, people. It, was, it wasn't just farm people no. like my I, parents didn't buy it. I bought it yeah, with money yeah. from cutting lawns. So it's like I don't know what the I don't know what the deal was, but they did have respect for the like uh, like a pride almost in a good, it, in a good sense. You sure. know, it's like I got I got a 20 gauge guys, you know, it's like. Yeah. So I, that connoted responsibility yeah. unless you were a total jackass. In which case, you were probably going to get in trouble and, you know, go to juvie court. Yeah. And the ones that respected the tool didn't hang around the tool. No. <laughs> you know, they didn't want really to get in trouble with him. It, it, it or, certainly sh- demystified. or shot. Or shot because he was an idiot. Yeah. It certainly demystified it. So it's like, yeah, you know, I was around power tools my whole life. And, I, you know, I, I'm drawing parallels here. Who knows if they're accurate. But I was drawing, like, I, 
I've, you know, I had a healthy respect for what a joiner would do, a wood joiner. I had a healthy respect for what a circular saw or table saw would do because I was around them and I yeah. understood it. And, mm, yeah. you know, but if I were out on my own trying to figure that out, I probably would have more than nine and a half fingers. Less than <laughs> nine and a half fingers. Well, you go through one shop class and you have a, a fellow student cut off their finger. You have a, which I did yeah. in, in eighth wow. grade. Wow. Yeah, and that made an impression. It makes a huge impression. Yeah. That's like all of a sudden, yeah. and you're seeing the finger lay on the ground. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a mess. It's a mess, and you kind of go, and you know he was screwing around the table saw. Yep. You knew he was. So he, now you wonder, we all had kids that had to drive. And, you know, I, I went through this, and I, I don't even say it's brief. I mean, it, it's, I still, it still lingers with me. Like when you trust your 16-year-old or 15-year-old to get his temporary license and then, ta- and then get behind the wheel, it, it, it is a – it would be really easy parenting not to let him do that. <laughs> yeah. But it would be the wrong be. parenting. Right. It would be the wrong parenting. It would be really easy parenting to protect your kids from everything, but it's not right. It, it's bad parenting. So it's like it's like everything else. You know, it's always hard to do the right thing, and the right thing is almost always harder than the wrong thing. You know, it's like it's – That whole chapter in Jordan Peterson's book, the, the 12 Life Lessons or whatever it's called, 12 Rules, the, the chapter about – when you see kids skateboarding, uh, you know, out there on stairs and rails, and it's very dangerous, encourage that. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like right. kids need to take risks. They need to find out where that line is at a time when they can't. It, where, the, where look, it's certainly dangerous, and you might break a leg, and you might do something that even kills you. Right. But the consequences of that versus learning that as an adult, where you're really out there in the in on your own in the middle of the ocean. Are, are it's trivial. Well, he's talking about, you know, you take all these public parks and all these uh, corporate, uh, you know, uh, areas, in, you know, in front of their headquarters and you, um, you de kid it, so to speak, you, you put up uh, little chinks along the guardrails and you, you know, arrange the, the flower pots so that the kids are not welcome there. They're not going to goof around there and the adults won't be bothered quote unquote, by the kids. But then you've got a whole generation of kids that just sit in the basement now on their phones or whatever. And they, you know? and they can't, they, they're incapable of, of tolerating risk. And that's that, it. That's the, that's the problem. And when they do, it's like, it's like this huge thing where they have to say, screw it. And they leap off the cliff and then they don't know the cliff's going to kill them. <laughs> that's right. It's yeah. like, um, or living in a virtual world where any consequences does not hurt them. There is no consequence. They get to hit replay. Right. So you got the kid who goes to college, you know, the first week he joins a Greek, organization a, a fraternity or sorority and then just you know sometimes kill themselves by over drinking right, right? so get mm-hmm. your kids drunk at 15 <laughs> <laughs> teach them how to do it but demystify it right yeah. demystify it my, my, my. or at least have a sit down with them okay this is what's going to happen you're going to be tempted to do this both of my son's first and beer was with me yeah right so, tell them the reality of drinking too much the I, 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 the meme that always comes up or mem or meme meme that always comes up on my phone is like the kid from the eighties jumping on the, with his BMX on a homemade ramp. And that was me. You know, we did that. We built a homemade ramp. We jumped on it <laughs> and I wrecked a couple times and you know, we were doing it. And I remember that my heart racing as I was riding up to it the first time. And I'm just going to, you know, you almost close your eyes and just do it. You're scared you know, crapless. You were hot rod and, and Andy, like, Andy Sandberg. Yeah. And, that you're was like, you. and you're like, you, you did it and there's a sense of accomplishment for it. And then you could do it again. Yeah. And I remember one of my counselors, one of my kids, uh, we were in, it was talking to a counselor about child counseling. And he was like, you know, find something 
your kid likes to do and let him do it because yeah. then he might find something else he likes to do yeah, and absolutely. let him do that. Yeah. And really what he was saying is incrementally, you got to encourage this stuff. You got to encourage the risk taking like Jordan Peterson would say, you have to encourage yeah. that. That's right. Let your kid go yeah. and, and experience the, the hot stove That's right. and touch it once. Yeah. Sports so. is great. Um, another thing in Ohio this past week, and this, this drives me crazy professionally as well as, as a, you know, philosopher about things, uh, you know, political. My favorite governor, DeWine, is once again, you know, taking advantage or, I don't know, exploiting. I don't know what the exact word would be, but he is virtue signaling with this stupid school bus safety task force that he just Uh. appointed, which... Frankly, the coffee and Danish budget for this thing, you know, <laughs> probably could pay for seatbelts if they think that's a good idea, which it's not. But we can get into that if we want to. We talked about that a little bit last we talked time. To, and this is regarding that 11-year-old uh, child who uh, tragically, uh, obviously, do, do I have to use that adverb, that, that died in that school bus. It's awful. Accident in over in the Springfield area. And the... The putative purpose of this committee is to look into the causes and remedies for school bus uh, deaths or injuries. Well, I got a little statistic for Governor DeWine because I'm probably one of the five or six best experts on this subject in Ohio and not patting myself on the back. I just spent maybe 15 years or so of my life lobbying for school bus contractors. So I know this stuff. Basically, there is one death on a school bus due to a traffic accident every two years. So we're talking about nationally, in, a, in, in the country, on board a bus due to a crash, school bus now, not metro bus, not, not tour buses, not any other kind of bus. We're talking about yellow school buses, one death every two years, the last stats that I looked at. And yet we're going to have this group of people, the, the superintendent of the state patrol, a parent, a school bus mechanic. You know, he did the typical shotgun, let's get a cross section of society, whatever. And they're going, to dis- they're going to discuss how to prevent one death every two years nationally. We're going to, we're going to actually explore that. So I thought of some other things that they might want to look into, maybe like how to prevent lightning strikes or... <laughs> Uh, land shark attacks or uh, a- asteroids, you know, falling on people. Well, this is this I, is I, I, honest to God. What are the yeah. what a waste of time? Yeah, but but he doesn't do get to do a photo shoot like that. That he gets right. to sit in a school. Theater. He gets to sit Thank in a school you. bus. Tra- this is See, yeah, and purely. This is, uh, by the way, should go go ahead. By uh, the way, Steve, just hold your thought. I want you to say, go right back to your thought. But what caused this death of this eleven-year-old a couple weeks ago? was an illegal immigrant. It has now come out. We didn't know this last week. The driver of the Honda Odyssey minivan, with all that that entails, <laughs> Honda See, Odyssey. There it is. That's right. why he's bringing it up again. That's, two weeks in a row. <laughs> Honest it's to God. Freaking Honda because Odyssey. if you want to profile bad drivers. <laughs> I'm going to buy one. I'm going to buy one and I'm going to come to your house every day. <laughs> it's Honda Odyssey and Toyota Sienna van drivers, those two yeah. vehicles. At any rate, illegal immigrant, 35-year-old guy. I don't know if he was drunk or, you know, why he crossed the, the median, but he hit this uh, school bus head-on. Go ahead, Steve. 
All right. So everybody, and we talked a little bit about this last week, maybe a lot. I don't remember, but everybody should go read Thomas Sowell's Basic Economics because this is what he he taught. There's a whole section on this where if you try to target, um, like politicians will do this. They'll they'll target like one thing because it's political theater. It makes them look good. Their political capital goes up. Dewine gets to take a picture of himself, Brett, like you just showed on a school bus, sitting in a school bus at the right. at, on the driver's seat. He looks like a moron. I'm as, sorry. As if Dewine and his oh my god, his appointed crew of cronies <sighs> are going to be able to solve this problem. Ugh. It's it's complete nonsense. So then you run into my my least favorite saying of all times. Everybody's heard me b- bitch about this. We got to do something. Got to do something. We got to do something. Because usually when people say we got to do something, what they're doing next. They're sort of acknowledging isn't going to work, but we just got to say we did. We tried something, so we got to do something. Let's hope that's what this thirteen-member panel is just going to do. We're just going to have some coffee, donuts, talk it out, do something. And we looked at it. No, then they're going to have to do something because Uh, we've paid for it. They're going to have to justify. They're going to have to pass some bullshit law that we all got to follow. And that law, according to Thomas Sowell, and he's right, will have unintended consequences. Yeah, it will. It will. Other bad things will happen as a result of it. I don't know where they are, but you can't plug all the holes in the dike at the same time. You can't do it. Right. Well, you mentioned last week seatbelts would probably be worse. That's probably where it's going to go. Maybe worse, right? That's probably where it's going to go. There's always scarcity in the world, and there's always going to be some adverse consequence to it. And then, you know, a a judge who I thought was a very good judge up in Delaware County Municipal Court, Judge Sunderman, um, he said one time, and I've never forgotten this, he goes, look, usually when laws are named after somebody, they're not great laws, right? Because they're designed to deal with the one in a million situation. You know, yeah, it's like right. you have uh, you have these laws named after. Um, um, well, like like that pay equity law that Obama passed, the Nellie, whatever her name was, uh, pay equity law, right? Yeah. You know, for women, when there were already laws against discrimination sure. on the basis of gender. I mean, it, it, right. So now we have a different one. And so, it's yeah, like, and yeah. we have now in, in criminal, we have something called the Reagan Tokes act because Reagan Tokes tragically, there was a guy who was released from prison on parole or on early or on post-release control or whatever it was. And while he was out on supervision, he killed somebody and it's horrible. But now they've changed the landscape of Ohio sentencing and how it has to work and everything is indeterminate sentencing. And the stuff we got away from back in the nineties, we had you know, truth in sentencing where if you got four years, you did four years. Now it's back to like four to 10. And you know, right. all it does is bloat up. It, 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 this is what it's about, right? It bloats up uh, the Ohio adult parole authority and gives them more authority, more power, more employees, more money uh, to administer a doomed um, philosophical program that does nothing other than create more problems for prisoners, right? So if the idea is to rehabilitate them and you think some board is going to be able to decide that better than uh, a judge or better than the sentencing judge or whatever it is, it's nonsense. You're taking away discretion from the judicial system, giving it to the brown shirts and uh, the executive branch, and it just is um, it's ill-fated. And this is good. We're going to run into something like this with this law. There's going to be some that kid's name who died tragically, horribly. And anybody who takes a clip of this and says, now, you know, now that we're famous and we're sort of spreading, we're going to start getting these clips and they're going to take us out of context. Right. Well, the we, pro- are all hor- we all feel horrible. Like, of course. Died. It's the worst thing that can possibly happen to well, and the, the child, right. the family, everybody else. And the proximate cause of his death was somebody who's in the country illegally. Right. And I wouldn't even go. So, look, that that's an anecdotal, interesting fact to me. But it's irrelevant because I don't think the guy went left to center because he was an illegal alien. Well, if he wasn't here, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, that, that sort of but for causation is a hard one, though. I mean, you could if you if that, we could take that apart logically. If you'll if you'll if you'll bear with me, it, I believe that this is correct. 
I read that of the prisoners in the California penal system, for example, the illegal immigrant population is way overrepresented as a percentage of population in the general. Uh, that they make up something like 20, 25%, like one out of every four people in the California penal system is an illegal now. Yeah, that does, hmm. look, that doesn't surprise me. And I'm not saying I support. Um, no, no, I, I didn't mean, I didn't, no, I'm not but, criticizing you at all. No. But the, the logic of but for causation, it's a slippery slope. You could say, but for the fact that this person were here illegally, it wouldn't have happened. But you could say, but for the fact that uh, he lost a job in Mexico or but of for course. the fact that of he was course. born. You, of, you know, you can, you can, you can roll course. that back. Of course. But, but if you're the family of a victim like that, that lady, there's that famous case out there, I think, in Phoenix, where this illegal robbed her son running a convenience store, set him on fire, right, after he shot him, set mm-hmm. him on fire. And, of course, the young man died. And you're just like, you know, why are we so loose at our border that, you know, I mean, we have enough domestically grown criminals. Like, we don't need to bring well, in sure. more. That, that's I, all I, I'm, I agree 100%. That's all I'm saying. And, but I don't think this is something you can, this is not, maybe maybe here's the logical flaw that I just want to make sure, and I, I know you're not saying this. Yeah. Not all illegal immigrants no. engage in criminal activity aside from being illegal of, immigrants. Of course not. Um, right. that are, and break the law and go left to center. It could have easily have been. Oh, sure. Everybody else Norm hates in sure. minivans. Right. In, in, a, in a Honda minivan. Everybody. Right, in a right. Honda minivan, right. sure. Of course. Minivan yeah. So You're, look, it, it's awful, course. it's tragic. The yeah. fact that anybody with the, with the notion that somehow DeWine and his um, <sighs> nepotistic cronies are going to be able to fix this through some sort of fancy study after how many years of school buses? Yeah, right. It, it's, it's complete nonsense. It's been studied before. I just think that like while he's appointing commissions, why not appoint a crime commission to look into uh, illegal immigrant crimes in the state of Ohio. And I think it might be eye opening. I wouldn't be surprised if we are going to see as more people come to Ohio, you know, like, like is the trend. Now, every state's a border state that we're going to find that our schools, our healthcare system, every other system is going to get flooded by illegal immigrants. And so will our prison population. It, I just think it's inevitable, and California is showing the way. So, you know, we, we could study that issue. I think that's just as legitimate as 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 anything else he's going to study in this silly commission. Yeah. So uh, mm. another interesting thing, Ohio has that uh, six-week um, heartbeat bill, which is currently, um, you know, under an abeyance order. You know, it's, it, it, it's not in effect, um, but... Uh, The South Carolina Supreme Court uh, last week upheld their six-week heartbeat bill, and that that was modeled on the Florida bill, uh, on the law in Florida, which is six weeks, and Ohio, which was uh, modeled on Florida's bill. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see how this goes down. It's interesting to me that the Supreme Court tells the states that they can now regulate the topic of abortion, but yet courts in their legislative uh, mentality are blocking a lot of these laws. And, uh, you know, it, it's well, got to go. The courts are blocking mm. laws on what ground, though? So, they, you know, the issue is going to be under their state constitutions, and this is where it should be, you know. The, That's right. This, this is where it should be. Right. Um, it, uh, to, and, and to me, it's, it's critical 
although it looks like Ohio's going the wrong way with this, and a lot of states have tried. It's critical that this is a legislative issue, not a constitutional That's right. issue. That's right. And I think, and just so people or it understand. Ought be, it ought to be. It ought to be. It ought to be. Yeah. And, and, and just so people understand why I think that, it's like, look, the trimester system was sort of invented out of whole cloth at the Supreme Court level. You know, it wasn't even wasn't even argued below. They actually, you know, some of that was just inserted into the decision because somebody knew somebody who knew somebody that was a doctor and said this is a good way to do it. And it's um, it, 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 those debates can only be had in open forums on the state house floor, where you can call witnesses to testify and offer policy considerations. Yeah offer practical input and facts and circumstances. And if you're somebody who is adamantly uh, in favor of abortion, you have a chance to go air it out in, in open forums. If you're adamantly against it, you can air it out in open forums. If we want to know what, what a baby looks like at a certain age in a womb, then, uh, you know, then that let's show pictures at the, on the state house floor. If you think that that baby's not alive, prove it on the state house floor. And then, you know, what else can happen? You can change. It can evolve with science. It can evolve with mm-hmm. our knowledge. You're not locked into something that becomes arcane in 10 years because, you know, 15 years ago or 20 years ago, look at look at your phone now. I yeah. mean, it's changed completely. Yeah. And if we would have said you have a constitutional right to a phone described this way uh, in Ohio per our Constitution 20 years ago, where would we be? I mean, it wouldn't look anything similar to that right now. Right. It would be totally different. And, and well, to your point, Steve, that... Having abortion, so abortion as an issue um, on demand, abortion on demand, it is going to be on an off-year ballot this year, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so people who are passionate about that issue one way or the other are going to be mainly the voters that go to the polls because there won't be... Usually because of that issue. Right? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And so the general Ohio population if you will, won't be motivated, won't be represented because there's not a president, senator, congressman, state representative to vote for. They're not going to go to the polls in huge numbers that represents the full span of the population. And on the same ballot uh, is going to be recreational marijuana. So we're going to have two constitutional issues uh, that probably both will pass. And it will be people who are zealous about those issues that drive that rather than the committee system, yeah, the House debate system, the nothing Senate. Nothing should be happening at the constitutional level in my home. And that's opinion. unfortunate. Nothing. You know. Recreational marijuana, a constitutional amendment to allow it is, is insanity to me. This is, we have something, folks. It's called the Ohio Revised Code. We used to have the Ohio Code. Now it's the Ohio Revised Code. Cited typically as Ohio REV period code. Uh, or if you're in Ohio, you cite it as R period, C period with a code section. We have the Ohio Revised Code. Go read it. There's a lot of stuff there, and there's plenty of room there to add to it, and there's plenty of ways you can take it apart. But it, it all happens when our legislative branch of government in Ohio called, in Ohio, the General Assembly, they go and they have their little meetings and they vote. Yeah. <coughs> and that somebody proposes a law, and it's like the old uh, schoolhouse rock, man. I'm just a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. It's not like I'm just a constitutional amendment. Uh, It's a bill. And those people can be held accountable. They can be held. You get to vote for those people. You get to to vote. vote. Toss them out if they they voted on that bill in a way that you disagree. There's accountability. But on what we're going to see with, you know, we still have the 50% uh, vote uh, passes 
uh, constitutional amendments in Ohio since issue one failed. But what we're going to see is, you know, an abortion amendment that will probably pass this year. And then the anti-abortion people will come up with their amendment. And they'll, they'll pass it, in five years or it, whatever it is. And, right. and this thing's going to seesaw back and forth. And it shouldn't. And it should not. Mm-hmm. The, the Constitution was not intended for that purpose. It's going to be the mini revised code. It might even swallow it up at some point because now that's yeah. everybody's caught wise to it. And, you know, uh, it, 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 people just maybe maybe it's this is a product of not stud, studying government. You know, it's like, look, the Constitution mm-hmm. is supposed to be set fundamental foundational terms. Yeah, the parameters of how we operate. It's like the it's like. Yeah. The rails on the bowling alley right. when your kid is young, yeah. you know, they put up the rails. It's like right. you got to operate within there. Right. And then there's so much play within those joints that the General Assembly can work with, and they just can't go beyond it. And then Steve, the Supreme Court would say, no, I'm sorry, this time you went beyond it. And your classic example is prohibition. Yes. So where, where we— A disaster. A disaster. Where, where the, the, the states, the citizens decided you know, to put a drug law right, in the Constitution of the United An States. abject failure. And, and then they had to take it out because it, it, it just spawned all kinds of criminal activity. You know, there, there was a bathtub gin that was killing people. It, it, and, there, and there wasn't a great, so Congress had the Volstead Act, right? And it, it, anyway, the whole thing is a disaster. A disaster. It, yeah. it turns the governmental, our, our democratic structure on its ear. Yeah. Do you think this is a natural progression of what the Dobbs you know, ruling was going to happen no matter whether we didn't pass issue one, the, the original issue one, 50, 50 or 60, 40, it was going to go this direction no matter what. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it, this is, look, it, it kicked it back to the States to do with it what they will. So the I think it wasn't set, it was set in motion, correct? Yeah, sort of. Um, Good and bad. I, I'm just saying, well, I don't, I don't, absolutely correct. I don't agree Dobbs necessarily. It, it should be constitutional level. I don't yeah. necessarily, I don't. I, th- I agree with that. It should be legislative. It should be law. But the, it's po- set in motion, isn't it? And, and your point's a good one is that the U.S. Supreme Court had no business telling the states how they dealt with it. And all they did was right. say, look, we grabbed this. We grabbed the reins of this horse in 1972. Right. Yeah. Was 72. Right? 73. 73. 73. Okay. We grabbed the reins of this horse and we never should have. We've been yeah. riding this bucking bronco mm-hmm. now for all these years. It's not a federal it's issue. It's not our issue to have. Yeah. If we're getting off this horse, you go, do go it. back and you yeah. deal with it on That's your right. stable states. Yeah. And the you, the federal government has no business telling the states how to handle it. So I'm, I'm not, uh, to me, I am complaining about the idea that the states are trying to handle it right. on a constitutional level. It's the same problem, just smaller. Mm-hmm. So now what they're doing is what the federal government did. They made it a constitutional issue when it shouldn't have been. Now their states are making it a constitutional issue when it shouldn't be. And I, I mean that on both sides. So if you're if you're pro-abortion, you don't want a constitutional amendment right. to do it, right? It's right. like, right. and how does it, like, there, there are its own problems with that because it just seesaws mm-hmm. around and you don't get to make your point again. You know, it's stuck. Yeah. Uh, if it's uh, you don't get to call witness to support your position. No. Uh, if it's a no. if it's a legislative issue, everybody has say so. And look, here here's part of the problem is that and this is this goes back to the road decision. It wasn't good enough for the abortion advocates to say we can get an abortion in New York or we can get an abortion wherever in California, wherever they were allowed to get abortions. That's not good enough. We want to mandate our our minority position on everybody constitutionally. Right. That has problems, folks, because that's not how our country is supposed to operate. And you don't mandate policy like that using the Constitution to do it. Um, it, it 
eventually, like you, you can lock the people in the cage, so to speak, yeah, yeah. but they're going to get out. We it's going to cause a mm-hmm. backlash, and that's what happened with Roe. We yeah. saw we saw this come up last week in the Republican presidential debate, right? They brought up the topic of abortion, and I'm scratching my head at home, right? I'm watching this debate, which Donald Trump skipped. I'm watching the other uh, candidates all being asked about their position on abortion, and I'm like, Oh my God, the Supreme Court took that away from federal, it's not federal subject matter. Well, what, you, and, and it's I not re- federal constitutional subject That's matter. That's right. That's what I'm saying. But it could be federal legislative con- matter. So there, Congress could pass a law. The U.S. Congress could pass a law. That's correct. They could. And, 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 and they've I think, got the support one way or another. That's right. They could. Except for the fact that because it's not federal subject matter, I think the Supreme Court would just dobs the congressional legislation. No, I don't think so. I, I think I think Congress has the authority under the Commerce Clause uh, to pass a law on abortion. That's that's interesting. I don't hmm. think they do. My reading of Dobbs, and that's that's cool, Steve. That, that that'll be interesting to see because I'm sure it will be attempted. Uh, Schumer, Pelosi have yeah. said that they want to pass congressional legislation. And again, I, I I you know I've heard the other side, my side, say. Well, wait a minute. The Supreme Court said that's not federal jurisdiction. That is for the states to regulate. Well, they said it's not constitutional federal litigation. So the question is, that's is that I'm a going. legislative issue yeah, or a judicial right. issue? Yeah. What the U.S. Supreme Court says, there is no constitutional right to an abortion, period. It doesn't mean that there's a constitutional basis to prohibit abortion. It just means there's no constitutional right to an abortion. So, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the court grapples with it, yeah. the high court, U.S. Supreme Court grapples mm-hmm. with it, if Congress passes a law one way or another on abortion. And there were several hmm. uh, dissenting or concurring, uh, you know, separate opinions. Oh, yeah. Because was... because the justices on the Supreme Court saw it different ways, just like you and I are talking yeah. about. So I, I've said it, and I, I, I have to I admit I've not done done the legal research and read the articles and the scholar, quote scholars on it, on, on where they come down on what Congress's jurisdiction is to pass a law. But I know this, Congress, the the Congress's power has become almost plenary, meaning unlimited. As long as it impacts something to do with interstate commerce, then Congress can act. And, you know, there's been a couple limits on that since the New Deal, but not many. Um, And, you know, that Congress can pass that law. Congress can regulate anything that has anything to do with interstate commerce. And the way that's defined is almost everything has something to do with interstate commerce. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, correct. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, You know, we've, we've bastardized the commerce clause to the point of almost limitless power for Congress. Yeah. And sadly we're putting, yeah, an unborn life's, in the definition of commerce because they're going across state line well, and money's it, being exchanged. Buy, you know, they, would, they would argue that, yeah. well, if you uh, import, like if you buy machinery or your medical equipment or, you know, even pay, like using the banks, I mean, they would find some That's way right. to regulate. Yeah. Some nexus yeah. Yeah, to right. suck you in that it's, that it's interstate commerce. That's right. And worse yet, worse yet, and this, I'll be done with my rant. I'll shut up. <laughs> worse yet. It's a great rant. Congress doesn't even do it anymore. Yeah. They just passed some omnibus spending bill delegating authority to some brown shirt administrative agency to deal with it. And then they get broad interpretation of what the hell those regulations mean, and they turn them into crimes. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. utter insanity. Like, right if anybody's dug into a, when, you, when your client has been charged with a crime, and it's not even a statute, it's a regulation, and you're like, what the hell does that mean? Wow. And you're like, wait a minute. And wait a minute, that yesterday that ATF's a perfect example. Yesterday that regulation meant this, and today there it means this. 
Right. And you're thinking, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. Like Congress Hunt, doesn't pass law anymore. Hundreds of spending bills. Hundreds of thousands of devices that were purchased legally under ATF interpretation, you know, a few years ago are suddenly class three contraband. Right. Because because somebody reinterpreted the regulation didn't change. <laughs> the right. No, it's, right. It just, the regulation doesn't change how they interpret it does. And it's like a group of people like on some committee. Right. And usually what it is, is a guy like Biden saying, we want to prosecute those things, make those things. You know, oh, there are guys at gun shows that bought the 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 the, the stocks that the bump allow stocks, bumps. Yeah. There are guys that bought that kind of crap at gun shows and it's in their garage. They forgot. They don't even remember. They don't even have it because <laughs> right. they didn't work that good. They were kind of junk. A toy. I mean, it, was it was a toy. It was a gimmick. It was a gimmick. And they, it's out in the garage. There's dust on it. And and now they're class three felons if they get raided. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's absurd. Wow. It's absurd. Yeah. It's absurd. So wow. this is this is all right. That's my rant about what how we have <laughs> twisted our governmental structure into fascism. And if you think I'm wrong, go go research the origins of fascism. Mm. It's terrible, man. Mm. Um, and then the last little bit of Ohio news, which is pretty much eaten up our show, but I mean, this is big stuff. The mayors of the three C's: Columbus, Cleveland, Cincy. All the mayors, all the police chiefs. Since we're talking about guns, they are on this trope that the spike in crime and, you know, Columbus is is on track to, to, to have a really bad year, for example. Right. And, and there's this trope going around that because concealed carry uh, and open carry are now illegal and it's constitutional in Ohio – that somehow that's driving oh, what a bunch that, of bullshit. that 13 year old to kill somebody what a over bunch at East. Nonsense. I mean, it's just, I got to tell you, that, what are they talking that's, about? That's the most absurd statistical twisting of interpretation uh, ever, right? It's right. such patent, obvious political BS. Because before constitutional carry, right, Columbus had its worst murder year ever. Before that legislation, sure, it's actually one, one down has nothing a little to do bit. With the other. No, it, one has nothing to do with the other. So it's like uh, the, another Thomas Sowell quote, right? Hardly ever is one outcome attributable to a single cause, right? It's always multiple things. But here, I don't even think they're connected. I it, it, like why? So you would have to ask, why is crime going up? Yeah. What are the possibilities? And let's do a study to test that. Yeah. So why is crime going up? So somebody's going to postulate that. Uh, is that the right word? Hypothesize. Postulate. Yep. Postulate. Mm-hmm. Postulate. Or I've just made a word up. Yeah. Postulate. Oh, so like somebody's going to postulate <laughs> that it's because of concealed carry and open carry. Uh, con uh, con carry. Yeah, yeah. So you're allowed to carry guns. All right. So that's one possibility. Let's do a study to see. But you would like, so you could say, all right, be, the, the rise in crime occurred at the same time of constitutional carry. And then you could conclude illogically that one is related to the other. Yeah. Or you could also say, what else could cause a rise in crime? Right. Could it be the fact that we don't have as, as many police on the streets? Could it be that the police have been handcuffed by their own cities and they're not allowed to go out and patrol? Or could it be that the fear of being handcuffed and punished by their own cities has, has caused the police to sort of retreat and get there a little bit later than they might have otherwise gotten there because they don't want to be accused of any sort of misconduct as a result of enforcing crime? Yeah. Could it be that... Uh, during COVID, the city commissioners basically said, don't go, don't enforce crime. Um, you know, there, there's a hundred reasons why. And not all those are, you know, it might be simply that we don't have a budget anymore. It might be that, uh, 
um, because pe- because of COVID, more people are out of work because they're getting paid to be out of work and not go to work, and they don't have anything else to do except go screw around in the streets and get in fights. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of other reasons you could do. And, and usually what happens when politicians get involved in this is they ignore the ones that, that where the responsibility might point back at them. Yeah. Right? So right. They're, they're not going to yeah. say yes to any of those things because they're the jackasses that created it. <laughs> 100%. And then they're, you know what they're going to say? And again, I'm stealing from Thomas Sowell. It's not... It's not that it was their bad policy. They just didn't, they weren't allowed to do enough. That's so it they is. have to do more. Give us more money, right. more power, and we'll right. fix it this time, I promise. Right, like school funding. We, we <laughs> don't pay the teachers enough. We're not, we're not dumping enough money into uh, asbestos abatement. or I mean, right. whatever the topic more, is. With more power, more, more, money. more money. for the schools. Right. And, and, you know, the classic is the, the kids in Iowa – where the per pupil spending is the lowest have have some of the highest scores on the SATs vis-a-vis the kids who where the per pupil spending is treble or a quadruple you can't outspend bad behavior no you can't right you no. can't do that at the end of the day your mom has to or then your father there's should be a father in the house that's another issue but they have to compel the student to sit their butt down, get off the TV or the internet, and do your dang homework. And yeah. and, and there's no law that there's no you can't pass government. There's no says, government power short of Big Brother. What to you make can that do is de-incentivize it, and that's what that's what our government has done. Has done. That's what the right. federal government did. It. Anybody just go research it. You'll see. It's like check when all the all the uh, single parent households. The statistics on that really took off, and it corresponds very eerily with the uh, great society. With the great society. Yeah, sure. So, you know, one more step off of that it was just do, doing a real quick Google search. But Dewine is offering state assistance to Cleveland, to Columbus, to Cincinnati to help out with this. What does that mean? What does that mean? State assistance there's, to a local city? Yeah. Look, hire well, the damn the, cops, one enforce thing he, the damn laws, and well, stop the crime. Yeah, I mean, there's no definition to what it really is. One, I, I don't know. One, one thing he did, now there's probably yeah. money too. but I'm sure. One thing he did, that, and we didn't talk about this because it's kind of a, I know, a brotherhood fight within the police agencies, but uh, DeWine mm-hmm. authorized the state patrol to play a supporting role in the in, in the big cities. Okay. I mean and, and that's unprecedented. Yeah. That that, that Yeah, that. that's bad news. That, that that's going to be wrought with its own problems. You're going to create a state police force. Yeah. And, you know, I remember the And they're days. busy enough already. Look, the highway Those patrol dudes are dude, is a dudes are patrol. exactly. They go patrol the highways. And yeah. and they and they, they do, do it and they do it well. Crashes. They yeah. do it well. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's their job. Right. And I remember my buddy, my very close high school friend's dad was a Columbus police officer. <clears> and uh when I I don't remember what age I sort of figured out that the highway patrol, what their r- role was and what the local cops role was. And at some point we probably talking to his dad and he used to say, yeah, Oh yeah. Let him, let him come in Columbus and do some real police work once or twice. See what it's all about. <laughs> all they do is run around and catch speeders and drunk drivers. And you know, looking, I remember laughing at it at the time and sort of whatever point he was trying to make, he made, but it sounded like a little bit of professional rivalry. <laughs> yeah, um, right. Exactly. But his point was, his point's not a bad one. No, and the sheriffs feel just like him yes. too. Yes, you know, in where I grew up in Hamilton County, the Hamilton County Sheriff had a policy in place that the state patrol was not welcome, even on the interstates. That's right. In that county, and mm. there's a reason for this, and it, a lot of it has to do with the idea of of um, federalism. So, who is going to be best 
apt to monitor the local crime. It's going to be the local police. They're going to know about Bob over there and what he's all about. And they're going to know about Jimmy and they're going to know about the local uh, feud between these two families or the, who the drug dealers are right. or where, you know, it, it's, and it's not going to be some whose dump trucks were not well maintained. Right. So you got to watch this particular company. The local sheriffs know yeah, they that know. company puts now, out they're bad. not without their own corruption. Oh, sure. So that, yeah, that breeds right. some corruption. That's so right. you got to, you got to monitor that. And that's where the state role is to come in and take care of it when there's corruption. That's and that, right. I, I do agree with some state authority on that. When the locals get out of control, somebody's got to police the locals, but the locals are better equipped to deal with it. So when you go to Upper Arlington, or actually I'll take it back to Sunbury when I was a kid, we had Mettler. You know, everybody's afraid of Mettler. He was the cop, you know, the local cop. He was it. But you know what he did? He kept us all in line a little bit. Nobody really got in bad trouble, but oh boy, Mettler's out. You can't do And you know what that meant? <laughs> that meant we stayed safe. And like he knew. Yeah. He knew when something was really bad, and he, he dealt with it. He knew when it was, and he dealt with it. Right. And uh, the local cops understood. The village of Sunbury police understood. Were they great cops? I don't know. But they knew who they were dealing with. Yeah, they knew which ballpark you were likely drinking behind the yes. refreshment stand at 2 in the morning. they knew when you deserved to go to jail, and they knew when you deserved to ride home. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and, and let mom and dad take and care of it. Because they knew yeah. your mom and dad, and they knew they would take care of it. Right. And, you know, it's this, if you bring in a, a high and tight steady He's not going to know that. Everybody's no. going to jail. Right. And and maybe yeah. not everybody should. Let God sort it out. Yeah, the, yeah. The, our township police, I'll never forget, they, uh, their policy was to take your um, underage beer and you had to pour it over yourself and go ring the front doorbell. Awesome. You were not allowed to sneak in the house using your key and right, right. you know right. up the steps, <laughs> the steps, take a quick shot. He would wait in the cruiser. While you push the button and mom or dad come right. to and the that door, some value. and you're stinking of beer. So then, this just this just gave me another thought. Um, yeah, we're, we still got a little bit of time. This gave me another thought. It's like if you have my point, I was just making. Like when the local police become corrupt, somebody's got to investigate them, and that would maybe be the the county or the city or whoever. No. And then somebody's got to investigate the county when they get corrupt. The AG, and that would be the state. AG, yeah. Well, what happens when the state gets corrupt? So if you give the state all the power <clears throat> to investigate crime across the state, like plenary power, yeah. what's going to stop their local corruption? Yeah. And we're seeing at the federal level. Who investigates, DOJ, yeah. who investigates Merrick Garland? Right. right? Yeah. They don't answer to anybody. They should be the force that you can trust. And instead, you're going to give them the opium of corruption. You're going to let them participate mm-hmm. in the local corrupt activity. And, you, you know, at first it'll work. You know, well, we've right. had success and they've right. made all these arrests and life is great. It looks good on paper. It looks good on paper. But where does it go? Because, you know, anybody go read Lord Acton's quotes for a while. It's like power corrupts and absolute power. Corru- absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. He's got hundreds more that are all, or, you know, dozens more. that are just as pointed. Yeah. Like they're, you're going to give the state authorities that much power and centralize it in DeWine. Uh, yeah, because that, 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 that gentleman's not been great in omnipower right. either. Yeah. And with, check on that? And with yeah. COVID swinging back, there's five hospitals now that it, where you have to mask up nationally, oh. and there, it'll be more. And there's colleges and universities. We talked about, uh, what is it, uh, George Morrison, uh, no, Morris Brown College in uh, in Atlanta. As an example, there, there are several colleges and dorms now they're going to do the vaxing, the tracing, the masking. Well, didn't Biden come out and say the vax? Everybody get vax and the vaccines work. Well, <clears throat> they don't. 
And our governor here in Ohio was big time on this. He shut down restaurants that, I mean, little little mom and pop. He shut down lives. I mean, this little Greek place over on Cleveland Avenue that makes great, you know, Greek food. They could not afford to redesign their interior is a very small restaurant. They couldn't put up the the sneeze shields and all this stuff, and they did, just didn't have the room to do it. So they became a takeout only place, and they went from like twelve employees to two, yep. right? And lost all that revenue. Meanwhile, McDonald's is open. Oh sure, Home Depot's open. <laughs> Lowe's is thriving. They're right. they're, yeah. they're killing you it. Know, Walmart. It, it, it's, it's fascinating yeah. that you know how Dewine rolled out all of this egregious policy, and and if he and he's been reelected, he gets to do it again. Oh my gosh! With we, this new virus, this new I COVID, almost variant. broke my steering wheel. <clears throat> I was waiting outside my son's music lesson. When I heard his, like Jared used to call it, we're going to watch the man in the sky on the TV, you know, the man <laughs> yeah, right, right. give his like weekly fireside oh, God. chats. Oh, oh, God. And uh, he said, we have the tools. Oh. We know we've got the tools. Right. We've done it before and we'll do it again. Oh. And I almost broke my steering wheel. I was screaming at the radio. It's like, you didn't do an effing thing, you mother effer. I mean, it's yeah. like, what, what's this? We did it. Because as I understand it, you got your fucking paycheck. Yeah. And right. I didn't. He was a nightmare. Right. right. It's like, I was so pissed off. I was like, what do you mean we did it? You didn't do shit. He was like the only Republican I governor. I should bleep that out later. Well, yeah. He was like the, well, I mean, the passion is raw because yeah. it, it did ruin people. It did. The, 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 he was like the only Republican governor that, that Biden was nationally like commending. And, and it just, it's because he was like the opposite of DeSantis or Governor Nome or these other governors in other states that were like, no, I'm, we're not doing all that stuff. No, Biden or uh, uh, DeWine was a test case. Like he, like there's there's emails going back and forth. Where oh, he like, was on board. Man. We are going to use DeWine because he's a Republican, but he's on board with us. So we're going to test right. all this bullshit with him. That's right. And then he he did it hook, line, and sinker. And, and he bought into it and, and enforced it and took so much power. And it's like all this uh, Amy Act. Remember this BS? Yeah. It's like, ah. Oh. People have forgotten. And I hope I hope that they, I hope this all comes back to them next year when we have a national election. Oh, it's. I mean, I, I hope people remember. People for, it's, it's like they forgot yeah. 9-11. They, they don't even remember the terrorist attacks. And people don't <clears throat> understand how devastating that was. Unless you lost everything. Right. People don't get it. So you can complain that you had to take your laptop home while your kids were there bugging you on your granite countertop in your kitchen as you were zooming in for your meetings and still making 150 grand a year. But what about the Greek restaurant folks who all of a sudden, it's not that they weren't making their money, it's like they couldn't pay their bills. And then the people that they had to lay off couldn't get yeah. their their bills paid. Right. And you know there was a then huge we pe- consequence and that then everybody we, didn't act like didn't happen. And then we PPP these businesses Right? Where did that money come Where'd from? Where did it come from? It come right. from, it's coming from unborn. The very people you're taking it from. Generations of kids that aren't even born yet will yeah. be paying. I mean, it's, we're at thirty-three trillion. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is complete insanity. Um, you know. Yeah. And, and I was one of those businesses, so I get it. And watching that jackass say, "We have the tools," I, I would stri- I, I Like if he were in front of me. He would have gotten his ass kicked at that time. Absolutely. Yeah, it was terrible. You know, nationally also, there's this thing where nurses uh, who were, and I'm sure there were some doctors as well, but nurses in particular, which are, there's a tremendous need for nurses. 
And many nurses said, no, I'm not getting vaxxed. I, I know enough about medicine as a professional nurse. I know enough about what the steps are to approve a drug. And these drugs were experimental. They had not gone through all of the stages that a drug has to traditionally go through to get FDA approval. They were rushed out. They were rushed and, out. And nurses said, hey, many of the nurses said, hey, I know better. I am choosing for myself, my own health. I'm not, it's my body, right? You know, Democrats like that line, it's my body. Well, not when it comes to vaxes, I guess. And they decided, many nurses, not to get vaxxed. They got fired. Mm -hmm. The same places in Boston, <clears throat> Baltimore, the New England states. And these are, are the nurses that were there on the front lines <coughs> when right. allegedly everybody was going to die of this <clears throat> thing. Right. They got fired. Now they're begging the same nurses to come back. Yeah. Middle finger. Right. <laughs> I mean, those I, work at, I work at McDonald's yeah. now. Those ladies retired or whatever yeah. they did, men and ladies, and and it, it, it yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, it's probably time to wrap it up. Norm, you got any nuggets, little final nuggets? And by the way, the Norm's Nuggets sponsorship is open. I think I've got somebody on the hook for it. But if you want to sponsor Norm's Nuggets, give us a shout. You can look us up at uh, commonsenseohioshow.com. We can sponsor Norm's Nuggets. And why would you sponsor? Well, I'll tell you why. Because we are spreading. Common sense is uh, contagious, folks. Well, Just like COVID, it's contagious. People are dying for it. <laughs> people need it. People, people, you need this in your life. People need to know the facts, and and we don't. You well, know, we don't. Another them. reason why you'd want to sponsor Norm's Nuggets because your spot would have been right there. Yes, you. you I would have talked about you instead of us. Right. right. Exactly. I might have even, um, you know, made up a song about you. <laughs> there you uh, go. So <laughs> let's. Uh, so uh, let me bang through these. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party has had a lab that successfully generated human embryos from stem cells uh, first first in you know in in human history so they're making literally going to be making they can <clears throat> make human embryos in a petri dish sounds basically. like the clone wars yeah, so uh, i think the commercial applications will probably first be things like organ harvesting which, uh, you know, the Frankenstein mental picture I have is not good. Um, we'll see. That's like artificial intelligence, right? We don't know where this is all going to end up. Yeah, it's got potential for great mm -hmm. good and great bad at and, the same time. And horror, right. Damn. Uh, White House mm -hmm. has been caught altering images of Joe Biden using AI. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they've done side by I've seen. Yeah. They've done side by sides and like, they're taking away his wrinkles and adding this and that and the other oh thing. Oh my and, God. You know, make him look younger. So, um, uh, federal unions are fighting post. I mean, this is the crap. I can't yeah. Go ahead, this is man. the crap that you would expect out of like the Nazis or, yeah. or like, uh, right. Stalin. Russians. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's like. It, re it remember Barbara Walters. They used to have that gauzy screen in front of her yeah. when she was doing when she was doing her show. Oh, it's kind well, of they just put Vaseline on <laughs> on the lens of the of everybody. All news people that come in, you have to put Vaseline on your cameras when you shoot at President Biden. That's beautiful. Oh my Brett. god! Is that how they did the Barbara Walters? Yeah, you know, in, in the old days, you softened the screen by putting Vaseline on that lens. Yeah. <laughs> Before, you know, back in the 40s, 50s, whatever. So there's one more use for Vaseline. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, we won't get into that. Yeah. Uh, federal unions are fighting post-COVID returns to in-office work. They they want to stay at home. And the EPA uh, Workers Union is leading that little fight against Biden, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, uh, the White House has denied Secret Service protection. This, this was a couple-week-old story, but... 
we were talking about RFK Jr., and it blows me away that his father and his uncle were both assassinated. And uh, how could they not extend Secret Service protection to RFK Jr., who has officially requested it, is beyond me. Hmm. It's just like I'm stunned that uh, what would that cost this country, you know, considering that all the money we waste to give the Kennedy candidate protection because somebody is out there, uh, you know, contemplating. And and I don't want that to happen. Nobody does. I'm sure Biden doesn't. So why not give him protection? It's ridiculous. Hmm. Um, NASCAR has a diversity program that excludes everybody who is white, whatever white means. So only girls and people with brown or black skin can participate. Um, kind of sounds like that progressive insurance case we talked about last week. Yep. I don't even know what white means. Again, is Obama white or black? He's half of each. So, you know, I mean, it's why any company would focus on what people's immutable characteristics are is quite beyond me. Yeah, we're going to walk around, start, there'll be like little blood prick tests or they'll, they'll develop something. So, oh, I'm sorry, you're 20% this, so you yeah. get this. That blows me away. There's a movie about that. I forget what the movie was called, but it's um, a future movie with, um, yeah. Back in the early 2000s. And we kind of had that movie during World War II. Yeah, the, the <laughs> eugenics kinda, people. Yeah, we yeah. Had yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of RFK, uh, this was a mind-blowing statistic, and I don't know if it's true, but it's news because it came out of his mouth. He was on Tucker's uh, Twitter show and said that 70% of national wealth in America is owned by Democrats. Uh, If you just take Democrats and Republicans, 70% is owned by Democrats, only 30 by Republicans. So his point is the true elitists now are people in his own party. And I mean, if that stat is true, that is unbelievable. But that came out of his mouth. Um, well, as we said, every stat can be twisted the way yeah. you want it to, to be. Exactly. Yeah, it would be interesting to know. But he's taking who, a shot at his own party. Right. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. So National wow. Archives has revealed that they have 5,200 Biden alias emails, uh, which were co-sent to um, – Devin Archer or Hunter or one of the other people in business with the Biden syndicate. And uh, naturally, uh, James Comer and uh, James Jordan in the Congress, they want copies of those emails. So that that more to come on that one. Yeah, more to come on that. That's what I got, guys. All right. Well, great, Uh, folks. We appreciate you tuning in. We just ask a couple of things. Keep listening, first of all. Secondly, like, download, share, do whatever you're supposed to do with these kind of things. I'm no marketing genius, but I know that when something's good, you want to tell your neighbors about it, tell your friends about it, tell your enemies about it if you hate it. Um, whatever you're going to do to spread the word, it helps us. We're not doing this for money. We're doing this because we do believe. I mean, I, and I'm not trying to just play like the hum, the battle, hymn of the Republic in the background while I'm saying this. We actually do this because we believe in in the idea of podcasting, podcasting the truth, at least a discussion about what we hope we learn to be the truth. Uh, even if we're wrong, we I- invite other opinions and invite discussion. Um, we have fought. We have uh, agreed. We have laughed. We have even cried a bit here when uh, when we disagree on and off the air. So uh, disagreement is good. Yeah. It's good. I'm saying uh-huh. it again. Disagreement is good because at the end of that adversity, you find the truth. Uh, so this is Common Sense Ohio coming at you right from the middle, at least until now.